Welcome to Call Your Hits, a Storm Riders Airsoft podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today, Pat and I are going to be talking about mistakes in Airsoft and what being good at Airsoft means to us. But before that, I wanted to address a mistake of our own, something we brought up in our last episode regarding BB weights. We were asked about using heavier weight BBs in your Airsoft replica by someone who was a beginner and using it in a stock replica. And our advice was generally to use the heaviest BB you can effectively run and afford. But in giving that advice, we said a few things that are flat out untrue, and we want to correct ourselves. So firstly, given the same muzzle energy, which is to say joules, a heavier BB will always fly further than a lighter one, not the opposite, which is what we said. And the higher the muzzle... Pat's not a physics teacher. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, I mean, fair <laughs> enough, right? You know. But it turns out that the higher the muzzle energy, the more important that difference becomes. So as a quick example, in a replica shooting at two joules, a 0.4 gram BB will fly 15 meters or 45 feet further than a 0.2 gram BB. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that a heavier BB does require more friction to build the same level of backspin, which we call hop, so that the BB flight profile is roughly the same as a lighter one. So If you're trying to use a much heavier BB in your stock replica, you may indeed need a better hop-up rubber, or at the very least, to crank up the hop-up. This is what people mean when they say, use the heaviest BB your gun can hop. So you might find that your stock replica is not able to apply enough hop to heavier BBs. And this, of course, would reduce their range, but it's absolutely not because a heavier BB does not fly as far as a lighter one. So again, we were wrong about that and we're correcting ourselves. Mea culpa, I hopefully you accept our apology. But a big, big, big shout out to Joshua Iron Physic in our global community for explaining our mistake to us and also providing the science behind it so we could truly understand why that is the case. We always say that there's nothing bad or shameful about making a mistake and then learning from it. And that's what we're showing you that what we actually live those values, right? So we are extremely grateful for the correction. And it turns out if you do it uh, on YouTube, then you get a free physics lesson. So that actually has kind of worked out to our advantage. Yes, whether um, or not we can understand that physics lesson but, is a different conversation. I, mean, but, I, understood, yeah. I understood some of the words it contained. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is really just a point of like, you know, we're not infallible. Um, we try our best to give you guys good information. And if we make a mistake, we'll let you know. Yeah. And so while acknowledging our own mistake and also growing from them, hopefully, or at least learning from them, we thought it'd be a good idea to discuss some mistakes that we still frequently see on the airsoft field and sort of talk about why they're mistakes and what what people can do about them, but also how does that impact the idea of being good at airsoft and what being good at airsoft means to us specifically? We made a video- That's kind of problem of- being sort of a vague idea, right? Like, I want to be good at this. Define good. Yeah. So we made a video several years ago talking about the top five mistakes we saw at the time, and largely those are still present. But in particular, I've got a couple today that I want to highlight that we didn't touch on in that video that are pretty specific, uh, but we I still consistently see them almost every single game. And these are not just beginner mistakes. I routinely see experienced players doing these things. And in fact, sometimes we might even do those mistakes ourselves. So let's dive into some of these mistakes. And the first one that I think is really egregious and we see very, very often, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you have seen this uh, as well. It is airsofters who do not keep their replica pointed downrange when they are in a situation where contact with the opposing team is very likely and or certain. So to give you an idea, we see this a lot on our village field, which is more like a CQB field, where players move around. So when you're running around, it's a different conversation, but they move around buildings and around cover, and they don't keep their muzzle up and on target. And there's a variety of reasons why people do this, but this is a 
this is such a frequent mistake. I, I, you know, I've seen it in, I've been reviewing some old footage from games from last year and almost every single village game when I'm coming up against, uh, or next to a friendly player on my team, very often their muzzle is down pointed at the ground while they peek around cover, while they peek through a window or while they're moving around the side of a building to try and get the flank of the opponent. And, you know, why do you think that's a problem, right? Like, <laughs> from my perspective, there is nothing worth shooting at on in the ground, right? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I've considered whether or not I could shoot through the floors in some of the buildings uh, that we play at. Oh, you're definitely good. <laughs> but, like, that isn't really a thing that you should be considering mm -hmm. as a factor. Um, yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I think I'm mostly over this in my own play, but that doesn't mean to suggest that I didn't do it a whole bunch before I got there. Um, yeah. Because that would be a lie. Uh, you know, over the years, um, especially, uh, you know, I guess it's a right-handed thing. I don't know. I've, I've had a penchant to uh, let go of the wrong thing on my gun to grip my PTT, mm -hmm. wherever it is living. Um, and the fact that it lives over here now, for ages I had it over here for, bad reasons um i just because i'm right-handed i was like hey, listen talk um you know talking again about that like yeah you should think about your gear um and positioning stuff on it but um i've had a pension pension for letting go of the wrong hand to grab the ptt um that takes a while i think for a lot of people to break themselves of the habit of uh not necessarily in a like oh you know you're bad if you're doing it i did it for ages it's just a try to practice sort of leans back to that practice with your kit on thing that we were talking about before so that you don't have bad muscle memory habits mm -hmm. that are causing you problems while you're playing. Um, yeah. And I think it's important for people to re recognize like why this is a problem. If you are in a situation where this is a CQB game, like the village field, I mean, is outdoors, but it's essentially CQC. It's all about personal skills. It's very, very common, if not basically ever present in that game, that when you round a corner, there will be an opponent somewhere that is able to shoot at you and you are probably going to be able to shoot at them. And every and single that... time that I have my gun up and you do not, the chance of me hitting you is basically astronomically higher than the chance of you hitting me. Because, well, your gun barrel is not up. My BBs will already be in the air while your gun is down. There's no reason for you to do that. So the drawback of, of not keeping your gun up and on target, or at least down range, is significant compared to the cost of keeping it up, which is, you know, maybe muscle fatigue, you know. And I get it. Like, sometimes some replicas are really heavy. If, you, if you're trying to keep your 249, for example, or if you have an RPK or something like that, like a, a, with a, you know, big long barrel and you're a short dude like me, like, yeah, eventually your muscles are going to get tired if you're holding it up the whole day. I can totally, totally see that. For sure. But it's definitely a drawback. Uh, yeah, and I mean, like, the more uh, practical uh, you're trying to be about this, like, so, I mean, bluntly, you know, unless you have a reason to not have your uh, replica in low ready, like, that's probably where it should live. Um, you know, I believe you, you mean a high ready when you say low ready, like the one that's just like right here, not the yeah. one that's all the way down. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. That's Thank all right. You. Um, Speaking continuing of mistakes. with making mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, um, you know, if I'm moving from cover to cover, I want, unless I'm running, like if I'm running, yeah, I can't probably, yes, can't totally. maintain, you know, that posture. But other than that, I want my, uh, my replica in a position where I can snapshoot quickly and efficiently and hopefully put, if not necessarily like first round hit fire downrange, uh, the kind of fire that puts my opponent off their game so that I'm not getting, <laughs> you know, lit up. Um, in the CQB environments that we've played at, you know, especially, you know, as Phil alluded, the village, like, it's, you know, very much a, if you don't have your gun at high ready, you're going to get shot. Mm -hmm. um, and frankly, the advantage of like moving fast enough to move cover to cover while running with your gun down or your replica down uh, in that environment is dubious, I think. Um, yeah. And you know. to be honest, like even for us, like uh, some of us, I don't know if that's the case with you, but definitely for myself and Chris and John, we've, we've taken to running with the replica, the stock of the replica over our shoulder, which allows us to keep the barrel 
you know, at least in a serviceable position so we can just slide it out and immediately start engaging, assuming we survive the trip, right? Uh, and I mean, it has not been, I don't have a great track record with that right now. But beside the point, you know, if you have your, 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 if you're running with your, with your replica up or down or whatever, when you're running, your primary concern, especially in airsoft, should be get to the place where you are going without tripping and falling yourself as, as a person, right? Because you want to hurt yourself. For sure. Get there uh, safely. For sure. And like, I, I certainly don't mean to suggest otherwise. I no, just no. mean that like, when I'm moving, you know, when the, when the bounds from cover to cover I'm making are three feet, um, a lot of the time I'd rather quick step with the, the replica in high ready than sprint. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, now obviously that's not universal. It doesn't affect, it's not effective for every possible scenario of play. Uh, but, um, certainly, yeah, I just, if you're dipping your replica below high ready and you don't have a reason other than like, it's been 10 minutes and I need to rest my arms. Okay, fine. Like that's, that's reasonable, you know, but if you're in the middle of a quick game, rest your arms after. <laughs> yeah. And you see this as well, like, uh, with players who are like, well, I can't keep my barrel up because the cover, like I can't, like my, the cover is getting in my way. Right. Which we talked sort of about that in the video several years ago, like just step back from the cover a little bit so that you can keep your barrel up. Like that firstly being completely sucked in the cover is, is no good for you because you can't see anything. If you have your back to the cover, which we often see as a mistake as well, because you do the cool, like, oh yeah, I got my back to the wall. Yeah, you're facing the wrong direction, but especially in CQB, right? In the kind of games that we're playing, the enemy is always to your front, right? The yep. opposing team is always to your front. So looks, if you turn uh, your back- great for photos. Yeah. But- Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, you step, you step back from the cover, step back from the cover a little bit. So you're like at an arm's length and keep your, keep your rifle up and down range. And that will serve you a lot better. And that's whether you're a beginner or whether you're an intermediate player. And I've seen tons and tons and tons of intermediate players. I've done it myself. I've been behind cover and I've got my, my, my rifle down and John just yells at me from across the field being like, Phil, keep your barrel up. I was like, oh yeah, he spotted it. Good, you know, good on him. And then I, I bring it up and I still start doing, there's footage of me doing it as well. So it's not like I'm perfect at this, but there, I recognize that it is something to improve against versus um people who don't even recognize that that's a problem like if you're getting taken out coming out of cover a lot of the times is that perhaps because your barrel is down and you're not able to shoot at the opponent and keep their heads down before they can start shooting at you that's certainly one thing that you might want to consider yeah i mean it turns out that um you know the person who starts shooting first often wins <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know no but legit 100% Another thing that I see as a, as a frequent mistake, and especially I'm going to say this is a bit more lately um, as, a, as a game organizer and game runner, and Pat, you can certainly talk to this as well, is airsofters who don't remember that what they're playing is a game. And what I mean by that is that as a game, it has an objective. And you lose sight of the fact that you're trying to accomplish something and you don't play to the objective. And especially the case, I mean, if you're playing just a team deathmatch or whatever, then obviously you know what the objective is. Get the other guys, fun. But here I'm talking about games where if you're playing Capture the Flag or King of the Hill or uh, some of the game modes we tried last summer, like the tactical football or, or what have you, people often forget or get sucked into the moment and don't um, they, they don't remember that there's an objective to accomplish and they don't play the objective. They just play the like, oh, I, in their mind, it's like, oh, I'm the action hero. I got to get all the bad guys. And it's like, well, maybe you don't need to get all the bad guys, right? Yeah, I, uh, I tend to think of this in two ways um, in terms of like um, how I think about objective play in games. Uh, and neither of them is really from Airsoft. Um, I think they both apply. I use them both in Airsoft, but neither of them is really how my brain operates in terms of this. Um, one of them is sort of uh, comes from playing um, League of Legends of all things, uh, which is sort of like a lot of people play every type of game um, in what one of my friends at one point referred to as spectator mode. So they're there, they're participating, but the squishy thing in here is not turned on. Mm -hmm. Um, and like in airsoft and any other action sport, um, like I've, I've, I've tested this one out with sword fighting as well. 
um, it's really easy to not have your brain turned on, um, to just be going on like move, react. Um, and in some ways that's useful. You want to try to get it so that you have some of both ideally, I think. Um, and by having your brain turn on here, I mean, like you should be thinking about what you're doing and why. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. Um, the, one of the first, um, ideas that I ever learned that made me a better player at tabletop model games. Um, and frankly, that still does make me a better player at them than, um, many people I play against is, uh, at the end of your first, your turn and the beginning of your turn, every turn think, what do I need to do to win? <laughs> mm -hmm. right in airsoft okay so we don't have turns sure but if you are doing a thing like when you start a game know what the objectives are yeah think about how I, you're I, going to accomplish them yeah i had a really good uh interaction or example of that when we played the tactical football game so the first game that we played like it was just people just figuring out what needed to happen right fair enough and then in one of the subsequent games what would happen is the the team would throw the football over and then the other team would get it and throw it back. And then the other team would get, pick it up and throw it back. And then we'll pick it up and throw it back because the objective of the game is whichever side the football is on at the end of the game, that team loses. So your objective is to have the football on the other side always. So the teams are just picking up the football the and throwing it Don't over. keep it. <laughs> right? But the thing about it is, is that one of the winning strategies for that game ended up being one of the players who decided to get the football and hold on to it for the entire game. And they did not release it and they protected it from the enemy because they, they figured that, well, the objective is for me to have it on the other side at the end of the game. I don't need to be throwing it back and forth. And if I control it in the last minute or whatever, I can throw it over and then they're going to try and scramble to get it. And then that'll be it. And so that's exactly <laughs> I, what they did. I only need to right? throw this once actually. Yeah. And so when you're thinking about the game, you're like, oh, yeah, I just got to throw it back and forth and back and forth. And in fact, no, you don't need to throw it back and forth. You need to control it. And so they controlled it. And then right at the last you know, minute of the game or whatever, 30 seconds, um, they got they had, the ref said like one minute or 30 seconds or whatever. And then they threw it. Right. For me, this very but much. The other thing is that they had been throwing the football the way that you throw football. How do you throw a football? I mean, an American football we're talking about. They just grabbed it and they hopped, they hopped it, right? So the football would go in the air and the other team would go, oh, there it is, and then go get it. So what did they do? They threw it underhanded. They just lobbed it over the line. The other team had no idea where it was. And the timer went down and they won. And I was like, all right. So that is how that's, a, you know, it's a strategy or whatever. But the strategy came about because the players started thinking, what do I need to do to win this game? Right. And the answer is, well, I need the football to be on the other side and I need the team not to throw it over again. And worth mentioning that in this game mode, you have unlimited lives. So you can't just shoot the other players. You have to figure out a way to win. And for them, that was the, the winning strategy in, in that particular game. And this relates really well to sort of our um, end of season, like the last couple of things we were trying in terms of having game modes where contact with the opposing force wasn't even necessarily encouraged. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm aware that not everyone's necessarily going to go for that. Not if that's not a game mode, everyone's going to want to play certainly even repeatedly, but like, it's a good way to train your brain into the idea of, okay, so I need to be thinking around how to accomplish whatever the objective of this game is. And the more you're going to play scenario based games rather than team deathmatch games, the more this is a good and important skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th there's a lot to be said about thinking about, you know, well, firstly, what you need to accomplish, but also like, how are you going to go about doing this? Now, if all you're playing is like a 5v5 team deathmatch in the village, like we often start the game, you know, game days, there's limited amount of strategizing that really can help you in that case. It's really going to be personal skills go out there. I mean, it's as close to Speedsoft, really, as we play, if you think about it. Right? Yeah, I know. I mean, like... um the only clever plan I've ever seen be effective in playing that um, is like actually operating in buddy pairs. Yeah. You know, and, and I, even still, like, I mean, it's, it's often very often just a dice throw because oh yeah, I mean, sometimes, especially in CQB, sometimes your buddy walks around yeah. the corner and goes, yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. But even, even some of the other types of games that are not like, you know, the football game or, or what have you like more basic objective games, like King of the Hill, 
or yeah, uh, capture the flag or uh, the capture the flag that we have with the hill game or, or like even like a bomb game that we play um what's it called uh, the rush game where you have to push the other team Yep. A, a critical error is just being like, I'm just going to go and blast. Like, no, you. if you do that, I mean, yes, you might win. But if you just do that and you win, that was almost secondary, right? You need to think about how are you going to accomplish this? And also utilize the game mechanics to your advantage. Because that's another thing that as, you know, especially in the Operation Sport Cloud that we played at the last, last season, there was, a, at the end of last season, I should say, there was a lot of different mechanics that were involved and you are made aware of them. Are you going to utilize those mechanics, right? And that's an important part because this is a game. It's not cheesy to use a mechanic that the game designers purposely put in there for you to utilize. Uh, it is if you're like breaking a rule that the game designers didn't realize was an issue and you're just, you know, um, taking advantage or cheesing it or whatever. But that's not play, what we're talking playing about. Playing within the system and gaming the system aren't the same yeah. thing. Um, one of the things, you know, useful things there also, or like an important thing to note here. Like if you are just there to, to, you know, pew pew and you're like, well, I don't necessarily want to engage with this that way, mm -hmm. you know, that's fine. Um, but, uh, if you're saying, oh, I want to be a better airsoft player, I assume you're not here just to pew pew, right. In terms of if scenario play based play is going on, right. Like, mm -hmm. cause it doesn't matter how good your personal skills are. Um, if there's an objective and you're not playing to it, yeah. um, you know, unless you're, I guess, able to take out the entire enemy team, but there are a bunch of scenarios where because of respawns, that's not possible. And realistically, most people, uh, aren't going to do, you know, uh, 10 on one and win in airsoft. <laughs> that's right. And, and again, always remember that this is a game. Like I think about the spore cloud game. We put a rule in there that was basically that the red team had to store their samples or whatever in a particular storage location. And we told the teams that that was specifically the, the, the case so that the other team could break in there and spill them. Well, if the game designers tell you about something like that, you need to ask yourself, how can I use that to my advantage? How, how do we use right? this to enable winning? Um, you know, and I mean, that one's interesting because, uh, the team that I thought couldn't possibly accomplish the objective did. And I was just like, oh, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's, if they had said, well, yeah, it's going to be too hard. So let's not worry about that. Okay. Fair enough. But have you really considered whether or not it is possible? Um, and in this case, it turned out that it, it was, it was very, very sneaky. Totally. And like, you know, I don't mean to throw like i'm not throwing any shade against either no Phil no not for putting putting the idea in or the people the other team for like having them accomplish it it just turned out to be a lot more doable than i really thought yeah <laughs> uh, and you know coming back to this as a mistake like what what I'm we very sneaky. very frequently see is just players who get mired into firefights all over the place right it's like we're just going to start shooting at the opponents and just keep shooting at them we'll get in a different position we'll shoot at them some more We'll shoot, we'll shoot, we'll shoot. This is something that I've heard about in a variety of different scenarios, even scenarios uh, talking to some of our friends in the US and stuff where teams get embroiled in firefights and engagements that are not even intended for them. Like one team gets ambushed and they're fighting in that and another team gets involved while that team had another objective to accomplish. But they're like, oh no, we got to go do this thing. Actually, you do not have to do that thing. Your objective <laughs> is to get these points. And, like, and if I can, you do that, you help the whole game, right? And, like, I can understand um, very easily, you know, the, the notion of, oh, but there's, you know, we're playing Airsoft and there's a firefight going on. So of course I want to be in it. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, but like, um, if, you, if you are willing to, to push yourself not to necessarily get involved in stuff you don't need to be involved in, um, winning games by being clever also feels pretty good when yeah. it happens, which is rarely, I'm not, I'm, I'm neither subtle nor clever. Like, uh, but also <laughs> to, to being clever, but also sometimes just playing the objective. I remember uh, a few games where Stefan decides in the last like 15 minutes of the game or last 15, not 15 seconds, last 15 seconds of the game to just go full beast mode and rush the objective and try and cap it. Um, and you know, what was, He's been successful a few times. He's gotten shot a whole lot other times, whatever. But in like, fairness, I think he considers getting shot a whole lot success in this context. But yeah, <laughs> but but honestly, like that's that's part of this. This is a game, right? And 
if you are just sitting in cover, just waiting for the game to end, you're not pushing the objective. You're not playing, trying to uh, further your team's objectives and your goals. Then that's a, that's really a mistake. It's something you really need to look at because you getting embroiled in that firefight, you not moving with the team, you not pushing that objective or trying to think about ways that you can, you know, there have been mechanics and games that we've included that the teams, neither team has even touched at, despite the fact that it's included, right? Uh, just to give you an example for Spore Cloud, we gave them the opportunity to demolish buildings and deny them, or basically remove them uh, from the field, although they could have probably just kicked them and the building would have fallen over, but that's a uh, different yeah. conversation. <laughs> um, but none of neither team decided to use that to their advantage. Y'all got any structural right? engineers? <laughs> yeah. So those that's the second thing I, I you know we see very frequently. It's people who don't play the objective, objective, really get embroiled in firefights that don't need to happen. And they don't think about the mechanics of the scenario and how they can utilize them to advantage. Play the smart. other thing, and the third thing that I see really as, this is, I mean, this is a mistake that not just airsofters make, people make in general, and it's the definition of insanity, right? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I cannot count the number of times that I've been on the top of the two-story structure on the, the the railing on the back, looking down towards the safe zone, and people are coming around the safe box, and I'm just shooting. And I shoot them, they go respawn, and they come right back, and I shoot them again. And they go respawn, and they come right back, and I shoot them again. It's like, I'm not running out of ammo, right? You just keep coming back, and I will keep shooting you. And I see this very, very frequently. I'm sure you see the same thing, Pat, especially for you in sort of a, a longer range um, function, <laughs> so, right? Sometimes I get to watch them do it real close up. That's, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's funny because like both, I've absolutely been the person, you know, sitting there being like, well, I'm, I'm functionally out of reach of the people coming around to that corner. Uh, I'm in pretty good cover, even if one of them can reach me. And I'm just hitting like one shot tap yeah. every time they come around um you know and I, if i'm being honest though i've also had days where i've been the guy coming around it right like yeah you know um the brain isn't always on um even though i would like it to be perhaps so like i don't think i mean i'm really mentioning that because i don't want people to think we're throwing shade at people who are doing stuff like that so other than just like there is a point where you know, and I mean, this is true of a lot of stuff, but, you know, especially things where adrenaline is involved, there are, there are places where it's a good idea to just take a breath, think for a second, and then resume what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. And this definitely applies not just individually, but in, in teams, right? Like you have a, a group of three players and you're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to solve the objective from this, this, you know, in this fire lane or this, this direction or what have you. And you do that, you immediately get shot. You should not go back that way. The three of you should not, and nor should you say, oh, we'll get another couple of guys and try it again. Like, unless that's the only avenue of advance, you should look for a different way. Uh, I think, uh, and we've talked about this before many times, airsofters get embroiled in going the easy path, taking the, you know, you take the most open road, the one that's easiest to traverse, the one that's less muddy, that's less wet, you know, like wet, less wet, whatever it is, right? The easiest to go. And that's the way that you go, because if you get shot, well, it's easy for you to go respawn and, and come back. But those easy routes also lend themselves typically to being fire lanes. Like I think about the road at the field that we play on. Uh, you think about like the biggest fire lanes, like in the village and stuff. Like going those ways is just asking for trouble. I mean, if you're... But if you get shot doing that, you should not do that thing anymore. If right? you're, uh, if you're, you know, uh, if you're a local, like, you know, yeah, if you just try to push straight down the bus field. I'm like, I mean, um, we can, we can show you guys an image of the, uh, a top down image of it. Um, we have before, I think as well, mm -hmm. you know, but like, if you're trying to push that and I'm there with an LMG or frankly, you know, further back with the DMR, you're free, <laughs> right? Like just thanks. Bye. Yeah. Um, like at a lot of airsoft fields, like the fire lanes are so open. You know, you really need to to think about, okay, like if you go a particular way and get shot, like that's not a mistake. I mean, it, it could have been or could not have been, you know, no judgment. But then going back to that exact same spot and expecting not that thing not to happen yes. is probably not going to serve, right? Second verse, same as the first, is not the best plan necessarily. Yeah. 
And like, we and don't I need understand. that critically. We've done it. And I understand too, like in certain situations, especially like depending on the kind of game you're playing, you may not have any other alternative, right? Sometimes we play games on smaller fields. Like sometimes we just do like the, the road game or whatever. And you know, the, the woods are not out. Like you basically only have one direction to go. And so that does limit your ability to, you know, flank one way or flank one another way. But at the same time, those games for us are tend to be small enough that wherever you were, you can probably go another direction. You know, like if you were on the left side of that building, don't go back to the left side of that building. Next time you go to that building, go on the right. Uh, or instead of coming out at chest level, which we see a lot, you know, take a knee or go prone and see how that helps you and tries to, to you know, change things up so that you're not always doing the same thing and expecting, oh, this time for sure, right? right. I'm going to go back. I'm going to get into a 50-50 gunfight with that guy. And this time I'm going to get him. It's like, well, you might, but also you might not. So you should probably think about how else you can approach that problem. And if you're in the situation that Phil described a few minutes ago, where like, you know, like just this seems pretty unlikely, but if you're in a situation where it's just like, okay, so there's a door, we've got to go through the door. There's only one door. At least pause for a second to go, hey, does anyone have a grenade? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, but I think it's it's worthwhile thinking about, you know, everything we've talked about so far when we talk about like objectives and stuff. Like this is a game that you, there is an objective and the thing, the action that you're doing right now has ha, has a particular objective as well. And you can ask yourself like, okay, this is a problem. What is my problem right now? Well, there's a guy on that corner and he's keeping this road pin. Okay, what have I done to try and solve this problem? Well, I went on the left side. I tried to shoot at him and I got shot. Okay, that solution didn't work last time. On what basis do you think it will work this time? And if it's, well, after I got shot, my teammates shot him. Okay, great. Well, then fine. That's a good answer. Different situation, (laughs) right? But I think there definitely is this mistake. uh, And I see it in beginners, but I also see it in intermediate and even some advanced players too, just doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting that things will be different that, you know, the next time. Although I will say it works the other way too, which is that if you do the same thing, you get a same result. If you do the same thing over and over and it's very successful, you should probably keep doing that thing until the other team figures out that, yo. how to counter, you know, how, how to counter it. Right. Absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, if, if what you're doing is working good, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, don't change stuff that is, that is winning you the game for the sake of changing stuff. Unless in fairness, you're, you know, going, well, I'm, I'm tired of winning this way and I want to make my life more challenging for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, can have validity um but like yeah if you're playing a game and what you're doing is working keep it up (laughs) yeah so those are three examples that i want to bring up because as pat mentioned before like we're not just throwing shade like these are mistakes that we have absolutely make made and continue to make in some cases right Uh, albeit less often um hopefully um i guarantee you my first game of next season I will come around a corner and instead of my replica being here, it'll be here. And someone probably Phil with my luck will shoot me for it. And I'll be like, Jason too. Yeah. And I'll be like, Oh, (laughs) right. Mm, Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But so to come back to it, you know, even if you make those mistakes, that doesn't mean you're a bad airsofter, right? Or that you're bad at airsoft. To be clear, you could be bad independently of those mistakes too. I don't know, but I'm just saying, if you make those mistakes, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're bad, but in order for us to talk about what bad is, we kind of have to discuss what being good is. And that's sort of the segue that I wanted to uh, to follow into this last portion of this episode, which is that realistically, like there is no one definition of what a good airsofter is. And for me, that definition has to come from, from yourself. You You only get to determine if you yourself are living up to your own standards. Um, if you, you know, we don't talk about other people. If you look at someone and they're doing their own thing, like you're not going to be like, oh, you, maybe you are, but we're not going to be like, oh, that guy's trash. That's not how we think. Really, we're concerned about how good we are uh, ourselves individually. And so I wanted to talk to Pat and just have a conversation about that part because I, I'm not sure, but I think we'll, we'll see in this conversation, but I'm not sure we have the exact same definition. So from Pat, from your standpoint, like, how do you define being good at airsoft? What is it that you're looking for in yourself that allows you to say that you are good or that, you know, you're striving towards? So like, honestly, 
uh, I'm going to start with something that, you know, I sometimes struggle with. Um, I'm not a morning person. I'm a grumpy guy at 9am. <laughs> the coffee helps. Um, but like, you know, realistically, um, I can be cranky when I start playing the day. And I usually, you know, it only takes me a game or two to wake up and be not cranky, but like, yeah, I want to be a positive person. I want, I think a good air softer is someone who brings a positive mindset to the game and a, and a sportsman like mindset. And I don't think I have any problem with the latter one, even when I'm tired, but like, you know, um, that's sort of a, a thing I'm aware of in myself so that I try not to be cranky with people early in the morning when they shoot me in the face. And that wakes me up. Don't get me wrong. But like, it's, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, you want to, you want to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Um, <laughs> Two jewels to the face. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Right <laughs> Hello. Um, but yeah. Um, beyond that, you know, I think a good ear softer is someone who is, you know, uh, trying to be a good leader for the community, trying to be a good leader for, uh, any group they're playing with. And that doesn't mean, Oh, you know, I want to be in charge. It just means that like, um, if there's a, uh, you know, an organizational component to do it, you know, I'm the kind of person who steps into that role, but also, uh, who is comfortable not doing so, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you know, but I tend to be believe that like being good or softer is leading from the front, um, is trying to keep everyone's morale high. Uh, and trying to be effective. And like, I have to specify when I say effective, I don't necessarily consider a game where I get kills to be a good airsoft game for me. Like, sure, if we're playing, you know, 5v5 team deathmatch, yeah, all right, cool. Like, there's only one thing we're doing here, right? Um, but if we're playing to an objective, I don't really care if I get any kills for the entirety of the game. If I'm keeping heads down, if I am, you know, pushing people back around corners and allowing us to progress to whatever our goal is that's being a good airsofter to me um mm -hmm. you know and so i think mostly what i really mean is that it's a mindset um of like positivity and team support more so than um personal skills and like i do practice my personal skills because i don't think you can do <laughs> the other pieces without having at least some measure of them um and you know i'm a human being i have enough ego that i'm like yeah i would like to be you know, good at the personal skills aspect, but I don't think that the personal skills aspect is, you know, key to me thinking someone is a good ear softer or a good player that I want to have around all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting that you talk about, about, about the personal skills, because I think most people, when they think about what a good ear softer is, you know, it's a person who goes around the field and like, they kill like, you know, AP layers to themselves. They do like all these awesome flanks and, and all this kind of stuff. And, to my mind, and I believe as well to yours based on what you're saying, if you're doing that but you're also a jerk, then you're not a good player. Like, you're not a good influence on the community in which you play. Yeah, right? I mean, like, like, I think about guys like, you know, uh, who are doing, like, uh, not to name any names, but they're doing, you know, like, cheater headshot compilations on, like, you know, sniper headshot compilations on YouTube or whatever. Like, are they good players because they get lots of kills? I mean, they definitely get lots of kills, but are they good players from the standpoint of, what's good for their community and what's good for them, you know, individually, like not necessarily sure that that's the case. Yeah. I mean, you know, and like the, the personal skills proficiency can be really, really high or really, really low. And you can still be super useful or not, um, mm -hmm. you know, for a really long time. And it's really only the last two years that you could convince me this isn't true. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, um, some of the technological <laughs> changes in what people here have, uh, have been fielding, you know, but, um, you know, one of the things that has been true, I think other than the last years for the entirety of my airsoft career is that I would rather have a player who wants to play on a team with me, who is using, you know, a Raider, a, like the cheapest, easiest access airsoft replica you can possibly lay hands on than a player who's really, I don't care how skilled they are, who has a bolt action and is just not helping me win. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, and like, again, that doesn't mean that you can't be effective with those. It's just that like, I've played a lot of, um, I've played a lot of airsoft with people who show up and are like, oh, I have this, you know, on upgraded, upgraded, it doesn't matter really, bolt action rifle. And my goal is to go like, pretend I'm playing Counter-Strike and that my kill count is a thing that matters at the end of the game. <laughs> um, and I mean, chances are they actually are not very successful at doing that part either. 
right? And, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure uh, some people we've played with have definitely not been very successful at that. Um, you know, which partly I know because I kept shooting them, but like the not when they were on my team. But uh, the the point for me is just, you know, if you're here to you know lone wolf and and get kills, that's cool. Um, and frankly, if you're on my team, tell me that because we can use that if you actually have the skills to pay the proverbial bills to help us win in objective-based scenarios. But, um, you know, people are like, oh, you know, the guy who does the cool, like, push up and flank gets, you know, yeah, wicked. Uh, dude can't push up and flank if there's no base of fire for him to push up and flank off of. It, yeah. it is a team sport. And like, you know, um, I've spent most of my airsoft career being quite content to provide the base of fire for that. And I still am because it's effective. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, will I kick doors if I need to? Yeah. You know, uh, pistol grenades, stupidly long gun if I have to, but like, that's not necessarily, I mean, the willingness to do that, I think is part of being a good player, but, um, yeah, I don't think that having really high personal skills necessarily makes you a player I think is good at airsoft or want to play with. <laughs> yeah, I think, like you said, I, I would certainly agree. Like having those personal skills enables you to become a good player. But for for my money, like when I think about how I would define, like how would I see myself as being good, right? You're you're bang on in terms of you know the leadership and and all that. But I would say like. More than that, it's a question of attitude. You mentioned mindset, which is absolutely, it's absolutely, I think we're aligned on. I think there's a piece though around attitude and for lack of a better term, like work ethic. Like I think a really good player is someone who shows up and they try. They try really hard all the time, always. They think about what they're, what situation that they're in. They think about the game. They think about the mechanics and how, what it takes to win. Uh, and then they really try. They try to coordinate with their team. They try to involve players around them, which again is, is showing good leadership, right? Uh, they try out plans and then they, if they fail, they try new things. It's someone who has sort of the endurance, both physical and also mental fortitude to just go and keep hammering at it, right? And that I think is something that I personally strive for because I've I, even like last, last going off, like I remember a couple of games last year where, Partway through the game, I was just like, I kind of just gave up. I'm like, there's no way we can win this. Um, we're just, we're basically penned into a corner. There's no, there's no sense in us continuing like this. And like, I thought in retrospect, I was pretty disappointed in myself. I was like, why would you do that? Right. I could have been tired. I could have been hungry. I need more energy, whatever it is. I'm not making any excuses. That's just the situation that I was in. And I think when I think about how I'm going to define me being a good player in the future or striving to become a, a good player. It has a lot less to do with how many ready ups I'm going to do or like how I can shoot offhand or whatever. And a lot more about consistently trying to, you know, not just uh, win the game, but also be the best version of myself that I can be on the field. And I think whether or not that gets tied into a high KD ratio, which I think is pretty cringe to think about, but regardless, um, that, you know, I don't think those things are connected. You could spend all day laying down a base of fire and not hit anyone and enable your team to do a lot of other things on the field. And that would, I think, make you a good player as long as you're really trying to to achieve that particular goal. For sure. And I mean, like, at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that um, has led our our team to success in scenario games a bunch of times is just the fact that, um, you know, we're stubborn <laughs> you know in terms of not that being willing one to word like, for it. <laughs> give up but you know also like we have a you know a team spirit of like you know oh hey pat like if you look at me and go or chris looks at me and goes hey pat you know like come on let's do this push a little harder for the last five minutes i will right mm -hmm. um and i think that works distinctly to our advantage um you know I like, some, you know, sometimes Chris is like, you know, oh, we're all tired. Have some Skittles and let's, let's do this. Right. Like, you know, um, whatever works to give you that morale boost, it is absolutely a real thing. Um, and a beneficial one. Yeah. And to be honest, like that all ties into sort of the idea of leadership that you were talking about before, like having the, 
camaraderie with your with your fellow players and whether they're on your team or not being able to look around you and say like hey let's try this let's try a little harder let's do this thing let's try it differently and then the other person having the sort of the attitude to say yeah okay sure let's let's go ahead and do that and to be clear just because you don't want to go along with some random person's plan doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad player right um because at our field everybody sort of knows us so it's a lot easier for someone to say yes to me if they don't know who I am, but they know what the patch on my on my shoulder means, right? Who, who I represent. And, and know, it's funny because like, think there's anybody who doesn't know who I am locally. That's what and, and it's funny because like the same applies to me, but like we both, <laughs> at, at best, we're fifty fifty on the good idea, bad idea thing. Oh, <laughs> you know? at absolute tippy top, like not a like, chance. I'm scratching fifty percent. You know, there are days where we're like, oh yeah, you know, we're gonna do this cool thing and it works, and that feels really good. But there are a lot of days where we're like, all right, we're gonna do this cool thing and it doesn't work out. And you know, I mean, some yeah. of that is the the old Star Trek principle, right? Like, it is possible to do everything right and still not make any progress. And other times, it's just like. I had a really good idea, and then many the other be- team happened. Yeah, many BBs. <laughs> <laughs> but so I think for me, like that's really what my definition of good player is going to be looking at next year, and that's what I'm going to be trying to to strive towards. Right, being in situations where I don't give up. Right, uh, not that they happen very frequently, but often enough that it's a, it's a making a mental. And really forcing the issue of having the good fundamentals and the good principles that support my best play. I mean, we're going to Iron Horse. I want to be top shape for that uh, physically and in terms of personal skills and so on and so forth. So I think those are the things that are that are going to tie into the other base that I, I think I have pretty well locked down around sort of community building and leadership and stuff like that. And so I think those things in concert are what I'm going to be striving towards to sort of make myself a better player this year. But I'm curious, like, what are some of the things that you've considered for yourself this year that are going to be your, not performance metrics, surely, but like the things that you're going to be looking at as an indicator of whether or not you're progressing in the way that you want to? I mean, like my my biggest performance metric is am I having fun? Um, mm-hmm. Because it's a sport, it's, it's a hobby, it's a thing we're doing for fun. <laughs> um, you know, and... Um, really in a lot of ways like making sure i think about it that way to some extent is a mental health thing for me like it's just sort of you know um because it's easy to be like oh you know i'm gonna spend more time tinkering with guns than playing this year because that's fun and easy you know or at Mm -hmm. least less involved um you know in terms of my personal stuff uh, i want to try to get better at you know using cover and and uh concealment stuff like and we talked about that towards the end of last season and i'm still chopping for uh camo and stuff um i've had a couple of wonderful folks from the discord uh and just listeners in general message me and be like hey you should try these shooting glasses so i have uh (laughs) i have a a few of those to uh to look at and i haven't decided which ones i'm going to order yet but i have lots of good options so thank you for that um you know but yeah it's it's going to be about trying to get as much um trigger time in as possible on my primary and on the 249 uh probably as little fiddling with tech stuff as i can honestly just in a um you know i mean if i have time to text off or i need to text off sure but like less tinkering in that way uh i've been working on physical fitness stuff a bunch lately um you know so uh just working on arm strength upper body strength cardio so that i can be more effective in the personal skills piece, you know, uh, and trying to keep the mindset, uh, piece as well, you know, um, trying to be a, a good leader in terms of leading with, you know, a sense of humor, uh, and like active play. I think those are things that I'm okay at, but I'd like to be better at them. Mm -hmm. And and I want to ask you a question coming back to saying like your number one objective, the number one metric is, are you having fun? And I want to just ask you, like, what are the things that happen during a game? that ruin your fun like that make it so you're no longer having fun um feeling like i'm not being effective is not super great like i don't love that as an experience and i mean like i said i define effective um very much as like something where you know i'm effective i'm supporting my team or you know pushing the objective myself like that's important to me as a player in terms of how i feel about the game um honestly you know uh the the laughs per gallon is pretty important to me like how much you know entertainment are we getting out of this has some value 
Um, the only thing that really like negatively impacts play for me, um, you know, okay, like obviously we both have days where it's like, oh my god, this extremely expensive toy that I've too much invested in is not working right. Grr. Right. But, like exempting that, um, you know, I've had a couple of experiences uh, over the last couple of years um, that are weird because I hadn't really had anything like this before. People just like being shitty at the field and that yeah. definitely is no fun um so like if you know like i mean definitely airsoft is a thing where like occasionally heat of the moment conflicts can happen because you know where it's an there's adrenaline there's you know some pain involved like fair enough but like i've had to deal with people in the last couple of years who don't let that go or who just are like gonna get up in your fries for no reason Mm-hmm. Or at least no reason that I understood, um, you know, and that definitely, you know, bums me the hell out, um, you know, uh, hasn't happened in ages, but like people being shitty to new players, it's just like, yeah, you know, but, let, let, but let's come back to something to your controllable. So you mentioned totally, like sorry. not feeling super effective is something that bums you out, right? Like if you fish in the game and you were like, well, I was useless. That's a, that's a bummer to be clear. Yeah, I can totally see that. So. My follow-up for you is, so what are you going to do or what are some of the things that you've considered to mitigate that as much as possible this in, the, in this coming year? Uh, and so, like, some of that is keep your brain turned on stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, we've talked before about the fact that, like, and I think I did a lot better last season and I want to keep that going forward. Um, but we've talked about the fact that I have a tendency to be like, well, I do a lot of, like, talking and being in charge in my professional life. So I don't always want to do that at yourself, but like also it's good for me to be doing that at yourself because I played a lot and I have a decent tactical sense of how to play and strategic sense of how to play. Um, mm-hmm. So that has value. Um, you know, some of it is like just you and I both know some days you play yourself and you get shot. <laughs> it's the only thing you yeah, do all day, sure. <laughs> you know? Um so, like, in terms of that, the controllable is trying not to get down about it and just trying to laugh about it, right? And just being like, oh, yeah, it's one of those days. Good enough. Um, but, you know, some of the personal skills and fitness stuff, I think, will help a lot just in that being, you know, better able to move around is helpful, you know? Um, and, like, I don't feel like it was really impeding me enormously last season. I just, it is another carrot to entice myself to to move around more and to exercise more. Uh, and those are useful. Um, you know, other than that, it's, you know, how can I be effective is a matter of, okay, so make sure I turn the brain on, make sure I communicate with my teammates, make sure we all actually have our radios so that we're working together when we're playing together as effectively as possible. Because like, yeah, we were definitely lazy about that last year and it definitely like, I won't say I was, angry about it or even really like enormously frustrated by it but it was definitely like a recurring thing of like man we should really stop being daft about this yeah um, 100% you know cuz there are a whole lot of ways to be an effective player in terms of working as part of a team um you know but yeah the the biggest pieces for me are just sort of trying to like play as much as possible be as positive as possible while I'm playing you know uh try to laugh off getting shot in the face more <laughs> yeah sort of things um the the personal skill stuff like yeah i'm you know i'm making sure i do my radio ups and i'm making sure i practice stuff like that um you know hauling the gear around isn't a huge issue for me but cardio is definitely a thing i can get better at so i'm working on i think one of the last things uh you know i want to leave our listeners with is something that i uh, that i'm going to be carrying this year and it's really the theme of this episode which is learning from my mistakes i think there's a lot of things that I do on the airsoft field regularly that I could do better. Um, but many times I don't necessarily know or I don't realize that I've done it because airsoft is such muscle memory for me now that often the game ends. I can't really tell you sort of what happened. I just sort of went through it in a fugue state and they're like a highway hypnosis situation. <laughs> you get to the end, you're like, I don't know how it happened, but here we are. And so one of the things for me that is going to be pivotal this year is asking for feedback, right? asking my teammates, hey, like, do you think I was effective? What do you think I could have done differently? Uh, What would you like to see me like, continue doing or change or, you know, carry on or or what have you, or maybe just flat out stop? 
Um, and what would that look like? And I think that I, when I say teammates here, I mean you guys, not just random Joe Blows. Although if there are Joe Blows who I value, whose opinion I value, I might ask them and we had that relationship. But in general, it'll be like asking you, asking John, asking Cal, okay, guys, like what could we have, could I have done specifically differently? Because I think that learning from your mistakes and learning and really being honest about whether or not something you're doing is working is understanding whether or like how you need to proceed basically in the future because if everything is working cool you don't need to change anything and but if it's not then the sooner you know the better off you're going to be because you can make that correction totally i'm like i mean you know i i'm unashamedly just going to say yeah i need to do that too that's you know uh, a good practice um you know i mean we were not as good about aar sort of stuff last season as we sometimes have been um so that perhaps is another you know thing to put in the box of stuff to work on like i mean one of the biggest things for me that I want to work on is the biggest feedback I got from my team last year was, um, you know, you need to be wearing more effective camouflage. You need to be using cover and camo better. You need to be working the aspects of this that aren't your um, sort of immediate, like snap shooting personal skills and um, the quality of your replica as much and work on improving the like cover utilization and the frankly getting down in the mud and like getting into little holes and hiding pieces of stuff because you're not like yes okay I'm, I'm a big guy i'm an ogre we joke about it all the time but like that doesn't mean i can't use cover effectively it means yeah. i have to select cover effectively and i'm not doing mm -hmm. that either um and yeah. i'm not saying this in a like oh you know pat bad pat uh self-critical kind of way like just that all of the stuff in my uh, in my airsoft shopping cart right now is um you know the again the glasses because i want to try something that's a little closer to my face because that seems like it would be helpful and i don't really need enormous goggles anymore because i don't have glasses anymore um but other than that it's just like okay so we need to get some more options for camo especially top half camo that are good <laughs> yeah definitely um, you know we may need to tinker with like a few other aspects of kit to utilize that as effectively as possible. So I'm gonna, um, yeah. you know, and like, Hey, I got that feedback from you and from John and from Cal. Great. Awesome. That's actionable. I can do something about that. You know, one of the practical things for me, um, you know, I, I mentioned this to you a couple of weeks ago, but like, so I injured my shoulder, uh, three years ago, God, uh, fencing. Um, I'm finally, um, past in remission well like you know i'm in if you don't do your physio it hurts but like that appears to just be the rest of my life fair enough um but like um you know it for anyone who hasn't done physio stuff this is maybe going to sound silly but like i started doing you know on like lying flat doing shoulder rotations with a two pound weight um which feels really dumb when you're my size and like you know you're like the person people call to move a couch, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, but, um, I've, I've only really just in the last couple of months gotten it back to the point where it's past. Okay. And is like, Oh yeah, you know, you're, you're actually starting to strengthen the limb beyond like normal utility sort of stuff. Um, so like being able to do press ups again is really quite good. Um, if one of your arms doesn't work, going prone is a pain. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, going prone is probably fine. It's coming back <laughs> yeah. up. That's the yeah. problem. I can go prone. I'm just staying. <laughs> um, I've fallen and I can't get up, Pat. You're, uh, I live here now. You're okay. reaching that age. <laughs> um, you know, but like, um, because I can push harder um, and and my, my physio has gone well, like... I'm working towards being able to, yeah, like, oh yeah, like getting down into cover and like getting up out of cover effectively is a thing that I'm going to be able to do better. But also, uh, you know, a couple of years of not really being able to go prone playing airsoft uh, has probably left me with some habits I'm going to have to work on. <laughs> yeah, maybe one or two. But <laughs> guys... I, you know, hopefully what you take from this episode is that it's okay for you to make mistakes. It's okay to you for you to learn from making your mistakes. It's okay for you to admit when you make mistakes, you know, like there's nothing worse than someone who makes a mistake and just doubles down and say, no, that I didn't, that's not on me. Like you, that doesn't help anybody, least of all the person who made the mistakes. So hopefully you can take some cues from us. You can, uh, if, if you are making mistakes in your play or, and I guarantee you, you probably are, 
whoever you are, just chances there's there's improvement opportunities in the way that you play. Acknowledging those, identifying those, and coming up with you know a you know a strategy to improve against them will really help you uh, in the future become more effective and just a better airsofting version of yourself. So hopefully you can take that advice and apply it in your daily life uh, as well. Hopefully you uh, got something out of this episode. Thank you so very much for listening and we'll talk to you next. Thanks for tuning in guys. Have a great week.